Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning. Well, last week we began this series of messages called Life Hacks. And if you'd like, you can take this listening guide out of the program and follow along with us. And here's what a life hack is. It's a strategy or a technique that is adopted in order to manage one's one's own time and daily activities in a more efficient way. So you're trying to do things faster in your life. You're trying to be as efficient as possible. You look for life hacks. You look for shortcuts and strategies to, to save some time. And so, for example, here's if your cell phone is, is dead, your battery's dead, and you need to charge it up quickly, you don't have a long period of time, put it into airplane mode. That's, that's a life hack. Put it in airplane mode, plug it in. It'll charge up much faster. Or here's another one. Save thawing time by freezing and storing your meat in thin packages. <laughs> Amazing, huh? Okay, maybe not life-changing, but... Or try this one. Put... Pancake mix in a ketchup bottle. Sometimes my kids want us to make uh, Mickey Mouse pancakes, and sometimes real hard to perfect the ears and to to get all the proportions right, but this is a way to do that. However, I don't think it will speed up your time because the work it will take to get everything into the the ketchup bottle is going to slow you down, I think, you know. So, students, I know we have uh, several students, and so here's some life hacks for students. Uh, instead of air freshener, put some dryer sheets on your fan, kind of where you keep your laundry area, and just kind of like, or, or or on your AC, and you'll have like a nice aroma in your dorm room or in your apartment. Or if you're just running out of time, you're trying to get to class, and two of you need to cook some food, here's a life hack for uh, for the microwave right here. You see that? You see what they're doing there? Get your mug and put another thing right on top of it. So two, two at one time. That's pretty, that's pretty effective right there. Now here's a good one if you fall asleep or just get totally bored studying. Students, reward yourself. This is a life hack. Reward yourself with a gummy bear every time you complete, you know, like a section or a page. You know, depending on how much motivation you need, depending on how dry the class is, you know, you might need a lot more gummy bears, but uh, give yourself some motivation. Reward yourself. Oh, here's, here's another thing. Double time. Double time when you're listening to audiobooks or when you're trying to plow through lectures, things like that. Double time or time and a half so you can really get, uh, you know, speed up the lecture, get the content faster. It's amazing that you actually have the audiobook ability. Several people in this room just had to read textbooks only and, and read books only. They couldn't have anything read to them. Um, but you have the opportunity. Well, see if you can speed that up. Or here's another life hack. Knock out all the tedious assignments at the beginning of the semester. Get all the low-hanging fruit of the, of the class and just the things that you know, okay, I can just knock these things out. This, some of this is just busy work. I just need to do it. Get it all out of the way. Get it done, and then that will help boost your grade. I'm not sure if that one will really work for you, but <laughs> I hope it does. Don't blame me <laughs> if it doesn't go well. Don't tell your teacher, you know, I, I did the tedious assignments or I did the gummy bear or, you know, reward that my pastor told me about. That won't get you very far. So, well, this phrase, life hack, is a bit of an overstatement. I mean, most of these aren't life-changing. They're helpful. But there is an invention that is extremely, it has made a significant impact on our daily lives. It's the GPS 
navigation on our cell phone. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, the, the your ability to navigate turn by turn to places, this is an amazing tool to use. Years ago when I was learning to drive, I, I had a map like this. This is the map, you know, just an accordion map. Or I had this, a Thomas Guide. A Thomas Guide is sort of, sort of a page-by-page layout of sections or neighborhoods of a city, and they map it out. And you've got to figure out, you know, where you're at in this uh, book and, and then try to figure out where you're going to. And in order to use the Thomas Guide, you'd have to actually pull off to the side of the road to figure out where you were because you, you, would, you wouldn't want to be driving trying to figure out where in the Thomas Guide you're at and where you need to get to. Now, this is where we're at today. We're using phone apps. And again, they just talk to us turn by turn and tell us, you know, where you need to go. It's the fastest way to get there, the, the most direct route, the safest route. Maybe not a life changer, but certainly very, very helpful. But in life, here's the issue. The real challenges don't offer GPS navigation. Sure, it would be helpful if they did. Like, for example, how do you navigate challenging relationships turn by turn? What do I say now? How do I respond to that? How do I cool down? Turn by turn. It would be really helpful if we, if we had that. Don't do that. Don't say that. Don't think that. Don't go down that road. Or, or how do you guide your kids and navigate them through the culture? And you would love it if they had a turn by turn. You, wouldn't you love to just go with them? Don't go there. Don't listen to that. Don't follow them. Or befriend them. Those are good. You know, Move towards them. How do you get yourself from where you are spiritually to where you need to be? And you can ask Siri that question. Hey, Siri, how do I really change, Siri? You know, she's going to suggest some websites or she's going to say, that's an interesting question, Josh. (laughs) What do you mean that's interesting? I want to know. That's interesting. Technology can't help us with the big questions that come up in life. Thankfully, God offers us the straightest paths for every area that we face. That's, that's a real life hack. And so here's life hack number two. We, last week we looked at the first one, fear God. Major concept in the Bible, fear God. The wisest man who people traveled to hear from, King Solomon said, this is it, fear God, keep his commandments. That was his summary of what's most important after living his life and dealing with a lot of trial and error and hitting his head on a, a lot of walls. He said, fear God. Today, let's look at the second one. This is the other part of what it means to have faith in your life. Faith is both fearing God and then trusting in Him, trusting in the Lord. So let's look again and really unpack a verse that we introduced last week. It's a very familiar verse for for some of you, but let's really go slowly through this phrase by phrase and really try to understand what these ideas mean. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. It's two decisions here in this verse, and one result. Okay, Two decisions you have to make, and one result that comes from those decisions. So the first one is this. It's trust God's view. This is your decision. Do, will I trust God's view? That's the phrase here, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. All of us were moving through life making decision after decision after decision. And every one of us, when we make decisions, we choose a trusted guidance system. We're trying to figure out, can I trust the guide? Can I trust the guidance system to help me direct turn by turn through life? So do you really trust Google? If you use Google Maps or through your phone, do you, do you really trust Google? Sometimes Google tells me to exit the freeway and I'm on a long trip 
And I've been on this road many times, but Google tells me, exit the freeway. And I found myself in this neighborhood in a shady area in a town that I'm not familiar with. And I'm going through the, the town and I'm like, I saw no reason to exit Google. Why, why am I here? And we have a choice. Do I trust Google or do I trust my own eyes? And sometimes later, you get back on the freeway and you look back and what do you see? A collision. You see sirens. You see, uh, you know, lots of lights going off. And you realize, ah, oh, Google knew something. Google knew. Thank you, Google. <laughs> it's funny how we talk to Google and our phones. And, you know, Personally, though, I've had this experience when it comes to trusting God. Where God's Word says to do something very specific. And I just do not see why I should do that. I have a decision to make. Do I trust the Lord or not? There's a turn, God's turn by turn. Some of those turns I say, do I, do I really trust God or, or not? I trust your view. God's word and his direction in life has taken me on some interesting paths. And probably I would imagine the same is true for you. Even moving back to Riverside after 10 years of being away from Riverside. I met my wife here in college. It was the town we met in. And we moved away about 45 minutes from this area. And when it came time to when God was directing us to start this church, we were praying through different cities in California and Southern California. And Riverside wasn't where I expected to, to be. But as I sought God and as I was getting input from, from, from wise, wiser people, everything that God was saying through our time with him and his word and prayer and with wise counsel was directing us to move back to Riverside. But it was, our family lives, you know, a different part of the state. It takes a long time to visit them. It's really difficult. You don't, when you're far from family, you don't have the support structure sometimes that you would hope to have for things like childcare and trips and whatever, or just visiting and seeing family. And so it was like, God, are you sure? Turn here? Move back there? And some of the events, that's just how it looks in life. Most of them make sense now. Like most of them, like, ah, now I understand why Riverside made sense. God had a plan. But years later, then I'm looking back at some turns and I'm still scratching my head over. Why? Why is that? Because I still don't understand why we have been doing that or or why we should be continuing to do that. But God, we're going to trust you. But I'm still scratching my head over some things. That's why this verse says this, trust in the Lord with all, not just some of your heart, not just most of your heart or, you know, the, the areas you agree with in your heart, but all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Why do that? Why, really? Well, that depends on this question. How far do you plan to travel in life? Trusting God's view depends on this question. You might want to jot this down. How far do I plan to travel in life? For example, if I'm just traveling down the street to see a neighbor, maybe I need to get some sugar or, or maybe I need to get some briquettes for you know grilling something. Uh, I, don't, I don't need GPS, turn-by-turn instruction, to get to my neighbor's house. I just I can see with my own eyes if it's a clear path. You know, I can see how the traffic is on my cul-de-sac and see. If I should go at a later time. And I, I, I just don't need to trust Google for that. But if I'm going to Ontario, for example, which one of my close friends and my mentor, he lives in Ontario now. If I'm going to visit my friend in Ontario, I need a view from a, a higher altitude. I actually want to check in on the traffic and figure out what's the best way to get there. Do I want to go 91, 15? Do I want to go around the 60? 
But there's a certain altitude I want to check in at. Next spring, actually this fall, I plan to drive to Texas with my family. And I'll need directions from an even higher altitude to get from Riverside to Fort Worth, Texas. Again, I'm going further. I need to check in on something that is drawing from higher altitude. Next spring, I plan with my wife to go to Europe. We want to go to Italy for our our 20th wedding anniversary, and I'm hoping that the pilot will be navigating from an even higher altitude because I don't want an eventful flight. And I want a smooth flight. I want the straightest path. I want to know that they're, they're up to speed on the very best technology, that the altitude that they're checking is the right one. Now, what perspective is needed to guide a life? I mean, like you, I, I want to make an impact with my life. I want to, I want to live a life that will will have a ripple effect. I want, I want it to have significance beyond just my years here on earth. And so asking Siri that question, Siri, how, how do I live a life that matters? You know, she's likely to say again, that's an interesting question, Josh. We need a perspective beyond space and beyond time. For, for, for what we're dealing with in life and where we, how far we plan to travel in life, we need a perspective beyond here and now. And the only one that high up is God, His view. He sees more than you do. He knows what matters both in this life and in the life to come. And if we navigate from His input, that is called wisdom. People that do that are called wise. And really, being wise is really God's term for a life act, someone who knows the best and straightest path. But trusting in the Lord in this way is not just a mental decision that you make. That's because we actually, when we trust in something, we're putting our full weight on that. And we're leaning with all that we care about and all that we are on something. We're leaning, we're relying on something to hold us up. We lean in real life. So trusting in the Lord requires to shift away from the things that we typically lean on. Now, what do we usually lean on? Most of us have leaned on either this, the nods. Or the odds. The nods or the odds. The nods is this. Tempted to lean on the approval of others. The nods is our primary reference point in decisions, whether or not people approve of it or not. The reason we look for nods of approval, that we check to see if people are watching and what they think of our actions, is because we were created to receive God's nod of approval. We were created in His image. And we reflect some of who He is, And so when people nod at us, we feel that because we're we're created to receive approval from Him. But people are are not a full reflection of God. And so people can nod in approval over our behavior that God would shake His head at and say, that's not what I'm pleased with. Or people can look at our lives and shake their heads at, at behavior that God is extremely pleased with. And he wants to see more of. And so it's just backwards when we go after the nods of others. If we navigate by the light of what other people think of us, it will lead us to all sorts of dead ends in life. That's why Proverbs 29, verse 25 reads, Fear of of man will prove to be a snare. A snare is a trap that catches animals. They're unsuspecting, though. Fear of man will prove to be a snare. When you start giving into the nods of others and living for the approval of others, you get caught up in all sorts of things that you didn't need to get caught in. But whoever trusts in the Lord is, is kept safe. There's a safety there. Now, beyond this issue of nods and approval, we also tend to lean on the odds. 
What are the odds? But if I do this or that, it's going to work out well. We look at the statistics, we look at the data, we look at the research, and we start analyzing based on it to figure out if this is going to be successful or not. So health odds. What are the odds that I'm going to get based on my family history? Cancer or heart disease or strokes? Or, and we're tempted to just trust the data with our health. Or, or marriage odds. Some people lean on current marriage odds and stats and decide to just avoid marriage altogether because of the stats. Or, or job success odds. Is this career path? Some of you, you're, you're in programs and you're hoping that's going to... You probably looked at the, the stats of how many students that go after this degree will actually get work after, after you graduate. LinkedIn said that, that the jobs with the very best rates of employment upon graduation are software engineers, business analysts, customer service representatives, and administrative assistants. So hope you're on course with those according to LinkedIn. I mean, but do you trust that? Should you really trust in that? Church planting odds. For me, as a, as a pastor, we planted this church 10 years ago. When I began this church, one local church planter pastor pulled me aside and he said, Hey, I'm glad you're here. Um, just so you know, about a do- he had been 10 years into his church. And he said, Just so you know, about a dozen other church planters had come to this area to, to start churches, and none of them are here anymore. They've all moved away. Welcome. <laughs> well, wasn't that a motivating visit, you know? In life, if I find something with good odds, it still brings minimal comfort. Why? Because I know that God does not obey a formula. He doesn't submit to our analysis on things. He'll lead you to do things in life that spreadsheets never will. His path is the safest path despite the odds. This is Proverbs 28, verse 26. He who trusts in himself, you know, trusting my, just my analysis, my own eyesight, my view, is a fool, Scripture says. But he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. So God's view is above the nods. It's above the odds. He knows the straightest path. First, we've got to trust him, trust his view. Second, we follow God's direction. This is the next part of this, these verses. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. In all your ways. God has very specific things to say about our lives in the very specific areas that He's designed life to work. What this is saying is that God did not give you a compass. The Bible, or God didn't give you a compass in life with a be nice sticker in place of north. Or like be a good person sticker in place of north. That's not, that's not God's guidance. He gives specific directions for us to follow. And these directions are, are focused on very specific aspects of life. God is interested in the patterns of how you do your life. He's not interested in what you wore today or the patterns of your clothes. God is more interested in the patterns of your life. And his map with those specific directions is called the Bible. Unfortunately, with the Bible, this map doesn't come with turn-by-turn talking navigational directions. It sure would be helpful if it did. Your Bible just warned you specifically as you're going. The Bible will sit there silently, kind of like that Thomas guide will sit on your passenger seat when you're driving in the car. It's just going to be sitting there silently. It's not going to do me any good until I pull off the road and I open it up and I begin to figure out where am I in life and where am I trying to go. I've got to take, I've got to stop each day and reference God's 
specific directions. So how do you do that? I want to suggest five areas to check in on. So we put a little checkbox. Check in on these for yourself. First one, with the Bible, you can read it generally. Take a little bit of time each day and work your way through all the Bible. You're going to have to do this over time. It's going to take you maybe a year, maybe maybe more than one year. But if you've never done that before, work your way through all of it. There's some great reading plans. You pick the book that we're in, Proverbs, right now. Proverbs has 31 chapters. There's 31 days in a given month, most, most months. And so today's the 23rd. Maybe read Proverbs 23 today, and then tomorrow read 24. And, and get through the book of Proverbs that way, and then move to another book. But work your way through all of it generally. Try to get the big storyline of what God's Word has to say. And then read it specifically. Get into the detail. Take an area of your life that you need help in. Whatever that is, fear, anxiety, worry, uh, stewarding, time, relationships, parenting, whatever it is, trouble, get into that specific issue in Scripture. version is the Bible app that you, you, you've got to get this if you don't have it, because it's so helpful. When you're on the road and when you're, when you're out and about, just to be able to access the Bible. The thing I like about version is you can pick a topic and you can begin to have Bible reading plans for different topics. If, if God's just speaking to you on a certain area and you just know this is the area where I'm really struggling or stuck, then you can read what God's Word has to say systematically in that area. Or if you're just like, I need to work through specific portions or I want to understand characters in the Bible, you can do that. But read it specifically. Two, two years ago, some friends of mine, we went on a backpacking trip through Yosemite. And one of the guys on the trip had something like this, a topographical map of Yosemite. And me, I had backpacked a lot as a teenager, but it had been many years. And so I was very grateful that someone actually brought with them a map <laughs> that we could rely on, that we could navigate by using the peaks that were on this topographical map. Now, these maps are really interesting to look at. You look at them and you see uh, elevation and, and you can... You can generally find out where you are based on the peaks that are around. And, but more than interesting, this type of a map in the, in the forest will save your life if you know how to use it. Because it's that specific. The same is true with a Bible. It's interesting, sure, to read the Bible generally, but you've got to specifically dig into it and stop. Sometimes you're reading it generally and you're like, you hit on something where God just says stop and, and, and dig in deeper. Spend time here. Work through this. Wrestle with this. Chew on this. Now start working on applying this to your life. That's how the Bible is. You want to get into it both generally and specifically. Another thing here is acknowledge it. Do I stop to really acknowledge? Now, acknowledge is an interesting word. This, this is not a nod-your-head type of acknowledgement where you just recognize that God is, God is there and then you move on to your life. Like, you know, a little bit of time with God. Thanks, God. Hey, I see you there, and I'm off doing my own thing. It's not a nod to God like you'd nod to a friend of yours that you might bump into here that you don't get a chance to talk to. you like, hey, catch you later. Talk, talk later. It's a different kind of acknowledgement. This type of acknowledgement with God is the acknowledgement that the crew of a ship would give in response to the orders of the captain. They would repeat the orders of the captain for clarity, and then they would do it. God, I see what you're saying. This is what you're saying. Now I'm going to go and put this into action. I'm going to do something with this. I'm looking to you for my next steps today. Another thing here, memorize it. Store it in your heart. Store it in your heart. Figure out how, how to... 
you don't want to forget the key verses that God highlights in the Bible to you. Start them out by topic. Find a way to review them. Maybe through your maybe go on a walk or a jog or maybe review with a friend, but try to memorize and really internalize God's word. Or talk about it. Talk about it as something that is really important. Talking about God's word and what God's teaching you. Even like talking about today's message, I encourage you, talk about how am I trusting in the Lord? What am I trusting in? Have a conversation with someone about, about, yeah, I really wrestle with the nods of others or, or giving into the data and analysis and living my life based on those things. Talk, talk about God's word with people. While in Yosemite, our group met up, met a group of, of backpackers that had been hiking through Yosemite along with other areas. They were on the John Muir Trail, which is a trail that's about, it's over 200 miles. And we came across this group of, of fathers and a couple sons, and they were dirty and smelly, and you could tell they'd been out there for a while. <laughs> and but we stopped to visit with them. There's no one else around. And we, we kind of got up to a higher peak where they were sitting, and we visited, and we found out they were on the John Muir Trail. And they pointed in the distance about where they'd been, the peaks that they'd been to. And, you know, I trusted what they said. If they had said, hey, when you come around this bend right there, just uh, I'm going to encourage you to go this way, or don't take the left, go the right because of this. If they're trying to direct us about something to avoid, I would have probably followed their input because of how far they had trekked. You know, there's people in, in your life that have trekked with God a whole lot longer. And I just encourage you, talk, talk about it with them. Talk about what God's, what God's teaching you. If you haven't signed up for a small group, this is talk about it. This is one of the major opportunities for talking about it. Get around a group of people who are trying to talk about God's Word and not just discussing it, but applying it to their lives. It's easy with the Christian life to think you're growing by just being present and making a lot of noise. It's real easy to think I'm, I'm growing through my presence and, and the amount of noise I make. What I mean is singing songs, saying the right words, but, but you have to take steps of faith. You have to ask the question, God, what's the next step for me from your word? If you don't take it, you won't get to see God come through in life. Those who struggle most with doubts about God are those who have risked very little in their lives. They haven't trusted Him. They haven't seen Him come through. Because they've been leaning on their own understanding and not on God's. Now those are the two decisions. Follow God's, trust God's view, and follow God's directions. Okay? Now here's the one result. The one result is this. Watch God straighten your paths. He will make your path straight. A straight path is the shortest route from point A to point B. That's our preference. On your way to the lunch out that, that John was telling you about today after church, you'll plan to take the most direct route to get there. We do the same thing with our lives. What's the most direct way to get from where I am to where I want to be? Our plans from our vantage point with our eyesight always look straight. Here I am. Here's where I want to be. Here's where I want to be. But when I look back over my life at the things that I was convinced of and the things I was leaning on my own understanding, my path is anything but straight. And I trust myself. Why? Because life rarely goes according to my plan. I don't plan on getting distracted. I don't plan on getting interrupted. I don't plan on tragedy. I don't plan on surprises coming up. Our paths always look straight going forward, but then crooked as we look back when we lean on our own understanding. But God's paths are the opposite. God's paths are the opposite. They often look crooked as we move forward. Right? 
but they're straight as you look back. I want to give you some examples of this. Like in decision making or, or pick, pick an area. Like let's just say, here's what I want to accomplish today. I want to accomplish something today. I've set a goal for the day. And I only have a certain amount of time. But then God's Word tells me to love people and take time for them. And God gives me an opportunity in the day to take time for someone. And I hadn't planned on it because I had a goal. And this seems like it's getting in the way of my goal. That looks like a detour, doesn't it? It just looks like a detour. People can be such a detour from my goals for the day. I just don't have time for that. It's not the shortest path from point A to point B. It just I look at it from my vantage point and I say, that's crooked, God. Or, or here's where I am financially and here's where I want to be. But then God says, I want you to become a generous person, a person who's giving, a person who is not just thinking of themselves. And I have a financial plan and I'm wrestling through it. And then I get to this issue of generosity. And again, it just seems like a detour from my plan and my path. This, again, just appears crooked. But many issues, like giving, is, is a trust issue for a Christ follower. And when you come to the fork in the road in your life and the issues that you're facing, the big question is this. Do I trust only in what I can see? Or am I willing to lean not on what I can see, not what I can understand, and trust what God sees more than me? Am I willing to do that? Will I trust the God who sees? He can see the trap. I can't see... Or the opportunity in the future that I, I, I don't recognize right now, He knows the very best way. And if you look back on a life navigated by trusting in your own understanding, it will be just a crooked mess. If you've tried to light your own path. We thought we were charting a course that was straight, but it turns out man, we were lost. And we can see that when we look back. God doesn't give us you know, straight paths to just travel on. He makes them straight only after we followed Him around the corner so we can look back and see what God was doing. I want to encourage you to, to put this into practice in some way. Maybe memorize Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Short verses, key issues that you never want to depart from if you're trying to make progress in your walk with God. Next thing here is just begin reading through the Bible. Maybe pick a chapter from Proverbs and then finally ask God for direction daily. So far, we've covered two life hacks from the Bible, fearing God and trusting in God, trusting in the Lord. These two make up a major idea that we call faith. What does it mean to live a life of faith? Well, it's these two things. I fear God and I trust God. It's like two sides of a coin. Next week, we're going to look at the advantage of humility. Again, you see this all over the book of Proverbs. And so, hey, after service, there's newer folks. This is a newer service time. And so I just encourage you to take a moment to maybe introduce yourself to someone who's sitting near you after we uh, dismiss in a little bit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. We thank you for your word and the, the wisdom of your plan and your ways. We are very limited. God, if we could just see that, it really would help. But Lord, help us to trust you with our whole heart and lean out on our own understanding. Please, Lord God, in the areas of our lives that we're facing right now, would you help us to acknowledge you in all of those things, Father? And would you direct us to the straightest path, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message. 
and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's Word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.